Hello, my name is Flick Beckett and welcome to the Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. On today's show, fresh from the Toronto Film Festival, we caught up with Argo Wachinska, director of Silent Land. Where you were when um, the accident? I was taking the shower. I was in the living room. You were shocked. No, we just came here to have a rest. It will pass. Welcome, Arga Wojinska, to the Picture House podcast, and congratulations on your exceptional film, Silent Land. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with you about that, that film. So it's your directorial debut and has been selected or was selected for the recent Toronto Film Festival, which is fantastic. What great. I mean, how brilliant. Tell me about getting selected and what it was like to be there. Well, uh, I was, you know, so excited when I've heard that I'm in the platform competition because it was the first Polish film ever being in this this competition. And it was only uh, nine films, so it's a big huge privilege to, to, to be there and it was my first time in Toronto and what I remember it's like having interview after interview interview after interview <laughs> so it was this kind of, of trip but it was like half after pandemic but not still we were supposed to wear masks there was no industry zone so you know for me as a director industry zone is, is very important because I can meet other directors and share our thoughts and it's the most inspiring of course watching the films as well but you know meeting uh, directors from you know other countries especially when you love their work to, to, to have a possibility to ask them some questions so it wasn't this full Toronto experience that I could have but anyway it was amazing very short but amazing trip fantastic so let's talk about Silent Land and tell me the journey for this film and um, you describe it as a humanistic statement so where did it all begin for you and tell me about the development and how it ended up the film that it is okay so there were like there are two cores for for, for me to 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 uh, very important things on the different layer because the first one is is, is the relationship uh, and how it falls apart and it's about people who are um, emotional bankrupts as I like to call them but there is the more important for me the second metal level of the film which is about the um, tragedy of immigrants so I just I just took both of them to create the silent land and um, the saddest inspiration for me was the tragedy of on Lampedusa that happens in 2013 when a lot of migrants died and when the Europe not only Italy because I don't want to blame just Italy it's whole Europe it's whole world actually especially now when when we have uh, mm, the same problems in, in the north of, of, of Europe not only the south but I wanted to speak in not a literal way. How are we blind and we close our ears and eyes for tragedy of other people? And 
I used uh, these characters, Anna and Adam, to speak about this story. And I know these characters very much because I shot with them my previous uh, short film called Fragments. And there were not only, sorry, not only the same characters, but also the same actors people who can who are afraid of, of feelings, who are afraid of emotions, especially the tough one. And they close themselves like in a very um, comfort zone, you can say it. And they are not paying attention to what is happening around them. And they're about their passivity and uh, with the comfort that they identify with happiness. And then something this, you know, breaks and that's where the story starts very interesting it's an extremely atmospheric piece and it is a character study with incredibly sparse dialogue so can you tell me about your um, decision to um what you wanted the dialogue to reveal or lack of it if you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah well to see to me, cinema starts where the word ends and actually when the image communicates feelings and emotions. And that was my aim with my brilliant cinematographer, Bartosz Świniarski, who is not only my friend, but I think like one of the most talented young cinematographers in, in Poland. He was also shooting in, in um, Greg film, a candidate for Oscar, like Apples, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was also a very, very beautiful short film. So this was our a, 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 a approach to, this, to this, this, this story, that it's silent land because my characters are silent, because mm. even when they start to speak, it's something about very banal, like, you know, changing some stuff in your new apartment and so on. And they communicate just with yes, okay, no, it's okay, and and that's why I needed like a very not spectacular, but a very meaningful pictures, and very meaningful soundtrack, not soundtrack. I don't have soundtrack. Sorry, sound design. Yes. To keep the viewer in the, in the constant tension, you know that that's what uh, that was very. Uh, there are three scenes that there are actually three dialogue scenes in my film, like the longer one with other people, mm. Mm, you know. But the last scene is also without. It's again without dialogue. So, and that's actually how my scripts look like. They're very. It's not very long one because they're not dialogue. So most of the space are describing the mood of the scene. And and there, I, I love what you mean when you say some of it's very banal, but then there is a few statements that are just, oh, you know, like when you don't have dialogue, uh, and then the, even a small statement seems to be very important. Like the guy is saying, I think it's the more cruel, the most cruel sentence. Like he wasn't even legal here, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can remember it because it's not always blah 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 blah. That there is a silence and then there is one sentence and it could have been lost among a lot of dialogue but now it's not did, did he have a family here i don't know you know but the the most horrifying thing about that statement is everybody knows what it means yeah and you don't need to and it doesn't need to be discussed further and that's what i found so chilling about some of the uh, like when the policeman says visitors are always welcome here yeah <clears throat> you know and um and the other thing that really landed for me was Cl when claire says you are lucky you are polish yeah and again everyone knows what that means and 
there's no ambiguity. You know, they are both almost translucently white. Yes. You know, and she is brown and ambiguous and it's difficult. I mean, I, I did feel that with Claire, is, is, is that correct? That she, like when she was worried about having to get her passport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a Christian, uh, how to call it, that you've been bypassed, a Christian certificate, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's of course, it, it seems so, I mean, like, we are not like this. It's like, we don't call people uh, uh, illegal, we don't care about our certificate, but yes, we do. I mean, it is, It's we, we are not racist, but yes, we are. I mean, it's like, it's not me. Yeah, it is me, you know, and it's like, that's what I would like people to think after watching this film that it's like, okay, maybe I'm this kind of character in some part, but no, no, I'm not racist, you know? No, I'm just saying, you know, Paki or something, you know, but not like, I don't know this this word. Well, it's, it's, you've put it in such an incredible context because, you know, I, I, in all honesty, I was watching it with a judgment at first. I was thinking, I was, I was finding their relationship a mystery. And I was thinking, oh, what's going to be the reveal? And then I, it was dawning on me all throughout the film going, oh my God, that's me, that's me. You know, and you're holding up a mirror to all of us because it's not that necessarily our relationships are like Anna and Adam in that, you know, our marriages or whatever, but our conversations around this subject are all, we are all complicit. Yeah, especially, now, in, in well, you come from different countries, like multi-culti country in Poland, we are mostly white and Catholic, you know, mm. and it's so sad, of course, but, and when I was writing the script, it was like five years ago, we started to write it, maybe, it, it was a big crisis, you know, in Greece and Italy, but it was so, so, soft. no, in North of Europe, no, we won't have to, you know, deal with, with, with this, call it badly problem. But right now it's like we have a crisis on Polish and white Russia border because our government don't want to uh, invite people from Afghanistan or, or, or other countries, people. But on the other hand, we open a Ukrainian border. Why? Because Ukrainians are white and those people are not. And that's so barbarous, you know, it, it, I, I really cannot get it. I cannot understand it. Of course, I'm, I'm not an activist and I'm not going there, you know, and, and helping people because it's not my job. My job is to tell the story, to make people, to create their reflections and, and to think about this and maybe to change something. Absolutely, because I think a lot of the dialogue, which is often the most animated when Anna and Adam got, was what could we do? What can I do? We did all we can. Yeah. And that reassurance, I thought, was very interesting through the film because there was a sh they they were there was a shame and you could feel a shame, and then they were reassured by the people that ought to have been pulling them up. And so all the world is complicit in their discomfort. They know they haven't done the right thing. Yeah, and but they receive reassurances from all these different angles. I mean, it's so clever. It's so well done. I was really, really impressed. And especially with the cinematography, with how claustrophobic their beautiful holiday apartment was yeah. and how you shot 
all most of the emotion off screen and boxed it. Can you tell me about that? Tell me about how you created those incredible yeah, images. This is like, as, as I mentioned, my, my cinematographer, uh, mm. it's like amazing to work with him because we are so prepared before the shooting that on the set, we barely talk to each other. We don't have to, we can just smile to each other or say, oh, no, I know what's the problem. Okay, we don't have to speak, but I know what's what's, what's going on. So it's, it's amazing to have such a friend on the set and a, a person who, who, who is not only a DOP, but it's also a helping hand. And he's more experienced than I am because he shoot several feature films and it was the, my first one. And so it was very important for us not to be so literal. I mean, to leave the space for the viewer um, to have its own, his own interpretation. That's why also we don't have details in this film, even maybe some, just some close-ups. There is the first close-up there is in, in, in the film. It's actually um, the close-up of uh, Rahim, the Arab worker. And we are close to him. We change the lenses to be closer to him. And there is the first one. And then after the accident, there are just a few close-ups of my characters, just a few. And it's all because it's also, I didn't want to tell the viewer who, on what should he look at. I mean, it's like, you have to choose, you know, what's the most important punctum in, in the frame for you. That's why we chose this kind of of showing, of shooting the film, and but it also uh, because of my honor to um, old European cinema, like Antonioni's films that are his his my greatest master. So I'm I'm so happy when sometimes I can read that there is you know a, a little bit of spirit of Antonioni in my film, and it's like wow, <laughs> I'm really honored. So uh, so yes, and 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 I, I of course I I know what's the, the the tendency right now in cinema that you have to be as close to the characters you can and have the handhold camera and so on, and I don't think it's bad because I love films that are made in such a way. But it was just my choice to to to, to uh, my choice to choose a different way. Yes, and uh, for comparison as as well, like Michael Haneke, I know that is another director that you've been compared to which I would completely agree in that you are very generous as directors with the audience's intelligence which I really always I always appreciate that and I love his films as well you know it's just like and because I always come out having examined myself from these films you know and from this film which I think is is the ultimate of what a film can achieve Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. But it's not without an incredibly painstaking amount of work on your part. Like you say, you had it all storyboarded and all ready to go. So you knew exactly what you were doing and, and where you were going. And, and yet, you know, it all is so fluid on screen. Like your sound design is absolutely specific. So tell me about creating. Mine, it was um, mine with cooperation uh, with the 
really great uh, young uh, sound designer from Czech Republic, Marek Poledna. So because we were making, because the Silent Hand is co-production, not only Polish and Italian, but also Czech. So we did uh, all, almost all post-production in, in Prague, beautiful city. So it was also a, a great moment when I could, could stay there. And actually that was my aim. I didn't want to make just co-productions because I wanted to, you know, travel to other cities, but I wanted to work with people from other countries to having their perspective. Marek is Czech, Polish and Czech are somehow similar, but not the same. So he was actually, the sound design was for international audience, not only for, for Polish people. I was the uh, person who I was supposed to, you know, uh, take care if you can understand Polish language for Polish people, if everything is well recorded. But we had also a, a wonderful um, girl, uh, Zofia Morusz, who was recording the sounds on the set. So uh, it was really a great pleasure to, to work with both of them. Also, the um, sound atmosphere was already in the script. So when I begin to write this every scene, I begin from what we can hear then what we can see, and then they may be a dialogue. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, it, it was written, but it doesn't mean that Marek, like it's, Marek gave a lot. I mean, it's not that uh, it was just me, it, it was him also. It's really amazing to work with such talented people. And from the very beginning, we knew that there won't be any music. And I told it to him. There is there is only some ab ambience on, on the final credits. And uh, my Czech co-producer said, "Okay, maybe check check co-producer check check this guy and and try to work with him." And it was we started to work on the Zoom. That it was because of the, we shoot this film in the middle of first wave of pandemia. So I, I I always saying this that it's kind of a miracle that we made to make a film in between three countries in six languages in the middle of pandemia. So at first we had to start on the Zoom, but it was like create image and sound on Zoom. No, no, I have to come there. And when I went to Prague, our first meeting was like, we know what we are doing. We are on the same page. Amazing. And it was, it, it was very elemental. I was very aware constantly of the sea and the wind. And I, I wonder making that noise, almost like static, would that be, would that have been something that you were trying to achieve with that? Yeah, uh, I wanted to, uh, them to be like disturbing, but on the other hand, like there is paper and my will and the reality, and the reality was there was this sound. The, the house is, is, uh, is played on the hill and there is a sea from one side and the forest and cicadas from the other side. And when there was a final um, final scene, not the last one, but there was this argue in the kitchen, you can hear the storm um, there is and the wind there is, you know, outside. It was all on the set. It wasn't, you know, put in the post-production. And it was the moment we have to shoot the scene. But, you know, and I said, I, I, I have to use it. I mean, I have to use it as, as, as a value for, for, for this film, as a good, good thing. So Mother Nature, like, she knew what she's doing. <laughs> it, yes, it, it's amazing when um, the universe is on your side. Yeah. <laughs> so just talking about some of the characters, I, I really enjoyed Ricardo, for instance. Oh, yes. You know, like, 
And tell me about him as, a, as an archetype, what he re represented for you. Well, I, I, first of all, I have to say that nobody in this film is neither good or bad. I mean, maybe I can consider myself Anna as a bad person the most, but she, she's also lost and she's trying to fight for her relationship with policemen, it also was the same. Uh, I ended it kind of comic situation and I remember my uh, meetings with some policemen from South of Europe when they are so chilled and not so, you know, tighted as, as, as policemen from my, my country. And I, from the very beginning, I knew that he will be the character who will leave biggest humor in this film. And the cast was amazing because uh, Ricardo, which is uh, Elvis Esposito, he is uh, the main character uh, of the series made by HBO, My Brilliant Friend, that takes part in, in, in Napoli, written by Elena Ferrante. And uh, he's playing their bad character, we can say. But then when I meet real Elvis, and he's more like Ricardo. I mean, he's not stupid, he's very wise and very intelligent person, but he's smiling, he's like open, and he's like, he enjoys life and he enjoys what he's doing. So at first I just saw him, his pictures, but when I met him, of course, first time via Zoom, I don't remember, or it was a casting, I already knew it's, it's this guy. It was the same with Marcello Romolo, oh, amazing, amazing person who is um, in my film Fabio, the land, land road of the house and the owner of the Trattoria. And he's in his life, he's also the charming, smiling, you know, amazing, I love him so much. And so, so it also was a really amazing match. I think. You, there were some really great personalities, even despite the muting of our emotional nature, you know, which I felt Adam and Anna were just incredible representations of. So I just want to discuss your two incredible leads, Dobromir Dimtet, oh, I can't say it. Dimetsky <laughs> and Agnieszka Żulewska, remember the surnames, please. Yes, they, they were both really, really brilliant. And um, yeah, you've worked with them before and they had their characters in place already. Is that prior to the yes. to this yes, film? We, we shoot my, my short diploma film in 2014. And uh, it was also about Anna and Adam, but it was more, well, fragments were more about Anna that um, Silent Land is more about Adam for me because he changes and he takes his guilt. Uh, it's, it's my, of course, my opinion. And with Dobromir, I also, uh, he also acted in my three uh, short films from film school. So we knew each other before and we are friends in real life. And they, I mean, Agnieszka and Dobromir, they are also act, they perform in the same theater. Yeah, one of the most well-known Polish theaters. So they know each other as well. Uh, so it was just a pure pleasure to work with them. And also for, for Picture House, people I know um, will be very keen to hear about Jean-Luc Barr, who was the big blue lead actor, you know, because that was a huge film over here for Art House fans. So yeah. tell me about working with him. And he had oh, a very similar, it, yeah. It was amazing. Jean-Marc is, is really amazing. I, I couldn't feel with working with him that he's kind of a star. He was also prepared. And he enjoyed this, this actually uh, filming with us and being a diver and once again in his, in his life. And he really liked it. And I, 
I was a little bit afraid that maybe, oh no, he wouldn't like to, you know, be a diver after 30 years again. And no, no. But then he said, yes, I, I love the script and uh, I like the character and, and, and yes, please do so. So it was really amazing cooperation. And finally, just because this is a cinema podcast about cinema, and I cannot insist enough that people have to see this film in a cinema. You've, you've made it so cinematic. Tell me what it means for you for people to go to the cinema to see this film. Well, not only for this film, but in these times when everybody is, you know, uh, watching Netflix and HBO and other platforms because it's easier, you know, you don't have to leave your house. And, and... But on the other hand, it's totally, completely different spirit experience to be in the cinema and I hope that people won't forget it I mean they will still have a need for it I, I maybe I'm naive but I still believe that the cinema has the power and it will exist especially when you have like very powerful last scene in my film I, I would like people to be there with 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 my characters and maybe I would like them to think hmm Maybe I could invite somebody to my table and just stop having this irrational fear in myself, somebody who is an alien. So I think it wouldn't be have such a big impact on, on, on people uh, when so in small, small computer screen as we are talking right now. I agree. Aga, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been such a pleasure. I know you've got to get off to your next meeting. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Bye-bye.